What's going on, world? I'm Nick Ross, and this is Fish Tank Sessions. Fish Tank Sessions. We're in the tank. It's fishy. It's wet. Maybe a little slimy. But with me tonight, I have Peyton Pullen. And Peyton is a guy that I recently met about four months ago. Not only is he a DJ, an upcoming producer, but he's also a glover, a beatboxer, and in the real world, a graphic designer. I really thought it'd be a really awesome idea to kind of bring him in to just kind of talk about what his passion is, what gets him going, and really what he loves. Peyton, take the mic, say something to the world. What's up, guys? It's a pleasure to be here. Obviously, my name is Peyton. I live in Fort Worth, Texas. I've been messing around with music since I was five years old. I joined the rave scene when I was 17, so coming up in May, I'll probably, it's like 10 years I've been in the scene. Old school as you can get, you know, been through ups and downs, all the clubs, you know, Afterlife, Insomnia. Oh, the Insomnia The days. old days. How could we yeah. forget about those? Right, 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 right. I've been DJing for about five or so years. Started, got my start with Craig Ellis at, I think it was Teched Out Tuesdays, downtown Dallas, and then he opened up Eternal and maybe like a monthly resident. I had no idea what I was doing when I first started. He gave me like a prime time gig at 12 o'clock and I had never played on CDJs before. And that's prime time where you want to be. If you get that yeah. midnight set, oh, yeah. that's midnight where you want to be. Midnight set, downstairs, main stage, gave it to me because he heard a mix I made on Tractor, which was like a DJ program on a computer. Had no, had never touched the hardware in my life. So he loved the mix and he was like, you want to play? And I was like, hell yeah, I do. You know, And I got there looked at the CDJs. This is the old one, so you didn't have USBs. It was CDs, you know, no audio or no uh, visual help. Like the CDs you kind of slide into you the front? Slide in the front, oh, yeah. I those. Yeah. And so I put on the headphones, and needless to say, I train wrecked. It was terrible. It was absolute crap. And I went up to him afterwards, and I said, man, I know what that sounded like. And he said, what happened? And I said, man, I don't have CDJs. And he was like, oh, wow, okay, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense. But he gave me the opportunity to go back upstairs like he booked me every week upstairs before anybody got there to let me practice because he liked my mix he liked he knew I had an ear for it and so he just gave me a chance and I learned really fast because I've always been a fast learner if I have a passion for it I can learn you pick it up pretty quick if I want to do it no matter what it is if I want to do something I learn it and I get it it's just one of the gifts that was given to me you know but that's I mean thanks because of him he allowed me to learn and grow and get gigs and keep pursuing my passion for it. I just grew from there. I think it's interesting because, for one, you, you had a mix that you played. This particular person loved it. He's like, hey, man, midnight set, all you. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, wait, uh, what? You want me to play on <laughs> CDJs at a midnight set for everybody? I don't, I've never played on CDJs before. Uh, okay. And then you know what? You went through that failure, and I think – Going through that failure is so important because you have to fail. So you practiced on the CDJs. Did you have another opportunity forward seeking? Yeah. So he kept listening to me as I got better and better. And then he gave me that spot again downstairs. And this time I did good. Then he opened up uh, Eternal After Hours, the first one before it moved to uh, Jaguars. I was I was actually I got to headline some shows there. I got to play the official after party for Lights All Night 2013. I was getting booked all the time, you know, and my music career was like picking up. I was getting paid. And it was this was all wild. I was young. I was real young and the semi fame kind of got to me and kind of twisted me into a different person. 
I don't know, the music scene kind of does things to people if they're not ready for that kind of exposure. And it did take me kind of down like a dark path. I ended up having to take a hiatus, you know, from the music. I hung out with the wrong people and I got in trouble. And so there was a pretty much a three or four year gap that I was not in the scene at all. And it all moved on without me, you know. It's never going to stop. I mean, it, it's almost like a train that constantly has momentum going forward. But sometimes you need those breaks. Right. And I did. You know, it helped me uh, put things into perspective. I came back hungrier than ever to get back on my music. Funny story, while I was gone, you know, you mentioned beatboxing. I was so bored in there, and we didn't have, you know, music or anything. You had the TV, and sometimes it was music there. Didn't have any radios or anything like that. I just remember sitting there bored as can be and just started, like, making sounds, doing some beats. I already knew kind of, like, basic, you know, boots and cats type stuff. I was kind of, I don't know what happened, but one day I made this sound with my throat, and it just, like, it almost sounded like a bass sound from, like, dubstep, you know? So it was like completely accidental. It was accidental. I had no idea what I was doing, and so I just perfected that sound, which you'll hear in a in a little bit when we do it. But well, Peyton, it's, <clears throat> it's funny because I I remember I didn't even know you beatboxed. I mean, I knew yeah. you were a DJ and I knew you made music, but I I think it was one day I was just scrolling through Facebook and I saw a video that you posted from a I think this may have been the upper area of Red Goose. Red Goose, yeah. And I was like. Is he doing karaoke? Like, what's he doing? And then I watched the video and I was like, oh shit, he's beatboxing. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to watch even further. And then I listened to you beatbox and I was like, holy shit, that's like really good. And it just like, it. like, I watched the whole thing. I think I actually watched it a few times and I was like, wow, that's really impressive. And then I think the next time I saw you in person, uh, could have been at the Green Elephant. I think that's actually where it was. I was like, hey man, I want to hear you beatbox live. Yeah. And you spun it out and I was like, holy shit, this is like, <laughs> I haven't heard somebody beatbox as good as you. Thank you. I mean, that means a lot. I've heard, I mean, there are better beatboxers than me. I've seen it and they put me to shame, but you know, I try to do what I can and my friends always put me on the spot, you know, even like we'll be playing and we'll DJ or whatever. And they'll give me a mic and say, Hey, beatbox, you know, while we play, like we'll do a song and you spit over it, you know? And that's always fun. Cause it's like a remix, like a live remix. And I kind of want to do that. I kind of, I think I want to take my music production that, you know, that direction where I record these sounds in a mic, do a bunch of heavy processing on them, and they'll be my signature sounds. You know, every producer has their own signature sounds they create, and I think that's like the best way to go. It's like me. It's all me. It's not a sample that was already made by someone else. It's Already generated me. that yeah. you kind of tweaked, and I think what's interesting about that is you produce it from your mouth, from your yes. body, yeah. and then you can take that onto your software and then create that particular beat that came organically right. and then turn it into something Well, even digitally. just like a bass sound. You take a bass sound and then add some like, you know, processing, some effects, some distortion. And now you have an electronic bass sound that you created with your mouth. And it's just so cool because that's custom. No one, no one can recreate that. Nobody can recreate that. You can't. That. That's your own. Good luck. You know? <laughs> they got to steal your voice box for that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> basically. So that's cool. I think it'll be a really creative way to make new beats that, you know, no one's ever heard. What else you got for me? What else I got? I yeah. got plenty. Okay. The beatboxing part, I think I want to save for a little bit because this part is going to be hella interesting. It's going to be super cool, and I'm just super pumped to hear it. Of course. But maybe, you know, since we talk a lot about DJs, kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, you as a DJ, what you do, what kind of music you like to play, and, and kind of where you stand in that scene. 
you know, my DJing has, you know, evolved just like every other DJs, especially if they're doing it for a long time. You know, I started out with like Moombotten or Moombacore back when that first came out. It's like a down tempo, almost like Rez before Rez was a thing. Uh, that's how I started. And then I went into like Melbourne uh, Bounce, which is like the shuffle beats you heard back at, you know, Eternal and Insomnia and stuff. And uh, after I came back, I got real into, you know, dub, real into dubstep. And of course, it was like rhythm and all the heavier headbanger stuff. And, you know, that got kind of old after a while. I kind of got bored of it. So, I, I remember, uh, you know, Snetty, uh, part of Ray Fam and Ham. Yeah, we just uh, had him here, uh, I believe it was about two weeks ago. One of my really good friends. He's very cool. Uh, he He's was right. playing, he was playing, yeah, <laughs> he was playing at uh, Zane's house and he was playing some like deep, weird wubs. You know, I never heard it before. I was like, what is that? And it was actually old school dubstep from like 2008 to, you know, way back when. And I was like, this is really good. I like this sound. So I started digging into that, that sound and started like going on SoundCloud and going these rabbit holes where I just stay on there for hours, like finding new songs, finding new songs. And I eventually found the sound that I really wanted. It wasn't so much deep and chill. It was like this weird experimental form of dubstep, which is like what Wakan does. And I had no idea what Wakan even was, you know, the label. You know, I knew who Liquid Stranger was, but I didn't know anything about that. And I started DJing this stuff, and it was like, this is my sound. This is what I want. I really like it, you know, and it, it gets people going. People hear it, and they just, you know, they have the bass face, but they're not headbanging. They're just like, this is weird, they're, you know. They're in the moment. And, yeah. that, and that's the difference, I think, for the most part, when, it look, when you look at dubstep and even rhythm or even down tempo sometimes. It's it's not all about headbanging. It's just like being caught in that melody yeah, of that bass. Where of course. A lot of times it could be off tempo, and that doesn't matter because we could still get down to it. But even when it is on tempo, it's not something you just want to smash your face into. Right. You just want to vibe to it where you could just like rock the body and just kind of get that And that's in that why I like motion. it can go the full spectrum it can be chill it can be vibey if you just want to hang out and just kind of like you know hang out with your friends just listen to some beats and it can be really hard where you're on the whole other end and you're raging which that's what's so cool about that genre it was just it's versatile you know so snetty was your inspiration to finding that to sound. find that sound yeah he doesn't even know that <laughs> well if he if he listens to this episode he will know that yeah and i hope he does right what is your dj name by chance so my dj name is hex effects which that spawned from metaphysical stuff. I was, I think, like hex. The word hex is like a spell. It's kind of corny, but I put a hex on yeah, you. Yeah, so like a hex, you know, it's it's like a spell. It's like a almost like a brainwashing or something to get people where you can or they're mesmerized by something. You know. Did Did you ever watch the movie Hocus Pocus? I've seen on it. Disney, yeah. right? I've seen it. Don't they have something where they say like, "I put a hex on you." And now you're mine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I didn't just make that up, right? I put an X. I put a spell on you. Spell. But hex and spell what? are technically you know, the same thing or okay, whatever. Okay, makes sense. I like it. So hex effects is just like effects, you know, beat effects and electronic music, you know. So it's like a you're being hexed by my music, you know. And that's kind of the whole thing. Like my logo is basically like a pinnacle, you know, shape. And it, it's all like very tribal looking. That's that's my solo project, just me, and that's where I'm going to be doing all the beatboxing stuff with when I start really digging into the production side of things. I also do a duo with my buddy Ross Cardona, and we're called Wasabi, and it's, it's like I it sounds like Wasabi, like that spicy, spicy. Asian sauce. You spicy. Know? We we went through so many names before we found that, you know, and it's like sub, like sub frequencies, but it's like spicy sub frequencies, you know, very experimental, weird alien music. 
the the two eyes at the end of the name are actually alien heads you know i like it yeah it's it's good it's cool marketing i hope you have fun with it you know and uh we've had we got uh randall denny at beatrix designs do our logo for live performances so we have like the 3d like projection mapped visuals that have our our name and it so moves like and, on the back whenever you guys are right right and it all moves and it looks really cool I'm really happy with that project. We've we've been getting booked a lot of different places. We're gonna play Norman Music Festival here pretty soon. Uh, we've played in uh, Oklahoma. We've played in Abilene at the Hollows. You know, we played all over Dallas and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think 2020 is looking really good for us for sure. We're getting our we're getting our name out there. And we're still early in too. So I mean, there's plenty of time to still get more bookings as we prolong through the 2020 of course. year. Of course, spring's right around the corner. Summer will be here before we know it. We'll be back in the fall and then the year will be over. <laughs> I think that's awesome, man. I mean, especially, you know, kind of going, having both Hexaflex and also uh, was, Wasubi? Wasubi. Wasubi. See, I can't even get it right the first time. I see the two <laughs> eyes and I love it, especially with the aliens on the eyes. Mm-hmm. Even better. Besides the DJ producing side, you also mentioned that you like to glove. Yeah, so that is kind of what kept me in the scene so long. I remember going to Afterlife my first time. It was my first time ever hearing any kind of EDM, any kind of anything. Never experienced it. Never experienced a rave. I had no idea what I was doing. Went to my buddy's house and they said, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. I don't know what they're, I was my first time to Dallas too. You know, I'm, I'm a Fort Worth kid, you know. And they were like, you can go to Afterlife. And I said, I'm not old enough to go to the club. I'm 17. And they're like, no, you can go to Afterlife at 17 and up. So what they did is they just dropped me off and, you know. Have fun. Have at fun. School. Yeah, basically. It's like, you're going to have a good time. And I went out there and needless to say, I had a blast. You know, it was, it was really cool. Best party I've ever been to. And uh, I was a very antisocial, like, kid growing up. I was scared to talk to people. You know, I didn't, I was just very um, insecure. And a little so, introverted. Yeah, and I think so, a lot of kids go through that in the beginning. This, but you but, don't seem like that now. No. So that's kind of like the raving or this scene kind of saved me or made me who I am today by going to these places and experiencing this and having the, the people that are so nice, you know, and everyone's very loving and welcoming made me realize that, oh, I can talk to people. The things that I thought about myself aren't really true. You know, people do like to talk to me. You know, I I do have things to offer, whether it be advice or anything, you know. So I go there at uh, to Afterlife and I remember getting a light show with a from a Glover, you know. This is your first time. First time experiencing anything like this. Yeah. I mean, I was blown away, blown away. And I said, I went went up to him. I was like, man, that's so cool. You know, how How do you get lights on your fingers? That's so it was like beyond like alien technology to me. And I was like, I want to learn how to do it. And his response was kind of messed up at first. He goes, good luck. And he walks off. So I'm over here like, okay, good luck. Challenge accepted, you know. So I go downstairs and buy two glow sticks, pop them. First thing that happens is like people run up to me. It's like, hey, can I get a light show? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, just just do something. Just wave, Immediately. just wave those glow sticks yeah, just, in my face. Yeah, I was like, all right. So I go up there and just like start giving light shows. And I was feeling the beat. So I was just doing these things with the beat. And uh, I ended up finding $100 on this bounce house, right? And instead there of, was a bounce house There was the a club? bounce house at the club, yeah. It was, like a, it was like a bounce arena where they have like this, the sword fighting. And you try to knock them off the, the, like the patio thing, like the little circles. Almost like sumo wrestling. It's weird. So that was a whole thing. And I was just sitting there and I looked over and found a $100 bill. And instead of like going to continue the party or whatever with that money, I thought it was a sign. I was like, I'm going to buy gloves with these. 
I'm going to buy gloves. And exactly what I did. I bought a pair of gloves and just kept practicing and practicing. Ended up meeting uh, a bunch of other glovers, and we just kind of practiced together. It grew and grew. I got better and better. And eventually, I went to insomnia, and it was kind of my last – I was kind of done raving. I was like, you know what? I'm not really getting anywhere with this. You know, it was before I even DJed or whatever. I was just going to go there and say bye to my friends. I went in there, and we're giving light shows. Me and my buddy, we do like a double team. Or we, worked, we, did, we did a double team where, like, we would coordinate, you know, our moves together and it would be like this big show. Well, I see him talking to some people, and it looks like an important conversation. So I go over there, and I said, what's going on? He's like, bro, we're about to get sponsored. So they have gloving sponsorships, and they still do this today. You know, Amazing Lights, they have their own sponsorships, and I always wanted to be on a team. There was a team in particular I wanted to be on. It was uh, called Team Blink, and the people from you know those days would know what Team Blink was. It was like the gloving team in Dallas. You wanted to be on it. We ended up getting the spot, you know, and there we go. Now I have to keep raving because now I have to keep going to the clubs and keep, you know, promoting and stuff. We all get, uh, get free lights and stuff. And we just, it just went crazy. I met a whole bunch of people and networked my way into like certain crowds um, that were more influenced, like more influenced in the scene, knew the right people to talk to. And that's actually how I got my first gig as a DJ was because of those people, you know? So it, it kind of just like me gloving got me to be a DJ. And then I kind of like, stopped gloving so much because I was focused on music and it's just so I, the reason I like gloving is because it's like an expression of yourself you know everyone has their own style just like music and my style is very liquid very emotional almost like storytelling and that's what people say when they get a light show from me like man your flow is just so calming you know and, and gloving is very very personal like you said yes. everybody has their own flavor their own style and that's what I think is so unique about it is you get a light show from you or you get a light show from somebody else there's going to be a different taste mm -hmm. to it yeah and i think that's su super unique and what you were just saying to how that transition you went to afterlife never been before you got dropped off at school hey have fun have a good day here's your lunch money you take your lunch money you see somebody that's gloving you go buy some gloves i'm going to figure this or you buy some you buy some sticks i'm going to figure this out and then all of a sudden you start practicing and now you get a sponsorship yep yep and then that progresses into producing and DJing music DJing music it was just like a, a, the road Absolutely. to get where I am it's been a wild ride you know it's, it has been I've lived a life you know in just these you know 10 years or so from the rave scene and it's just taken me so many places ups and downs you know there's bad and good it's not all perfect it's not sugar and rainbows you know there has been some bad stuff you know that's happened in my life with the scene but no scene is perfect but I think the rave scene is the best because the people in it, the opportunity there is to grow and express yourself, I think that's beautiful. I think that everyone can find something that they can express, whether it be a flow art, art in general, music, dancing, visuals. There's so many opportunities within that scene. Yes. It's almost endless. I mean, we think of the high points that we all do individually, but then we meet somebody somewhere else that does something that's so new to us. It's like, oh my gosh, what is that? What are they doing? Yeah. And it's almost endless. And I think that's what I enjoy so much about the scene as well is because there's so much creativity and that creativity is not only growing, but it's also expanding yes. beyond people that experience that and see it somewhere else. And they like, they're like, oh, wait, I want to go ahead and pick that up. And then they try to figure it out on their own. Next thing you know, they have their own skill. Yep. And I think that's super awesome. The networking thing is so crazy because, you know, I'll be talking to somebody and they just needed to talk to me at that particular moment about something or something I can provide. 
and it's like let's say graphic design for for instance you know i'll just be talking about life and mention something about graphic design i was just looking for a graphic designer it's so crazy that i met you i was i needed one and i just happened it's like the universe just brought us together you know and so it's just cool to like network and just we all kind of help each other out in a way or try to you know, we, we do. And I think networking is, you know, we, we can all have our skills, but at the end of the day, it's all about who, you know, who gets that exposure, mm-hmm. who you're in front of, who sees what you're all about. And I think that's probably the biggest asset anybody can have is their network. You know, we've all heard the saying, you know, your network is your net worth. And I think that's such a, that's so true today. I mean, you could, I've said this before, you could be the best person. Uh, you could be, you could have the best skill, but if nobody knows about it, that doesn't matter. You mentioned as well on the networking side that someone brought up your graphic designing. And that's what I wanted to kind of segue this convo to because you mentioned that, you know, you got your skills. You, you got a lot of skills, not only DJ producing, a Glover, beatboxer, but you're also a graphic designer. And I think that's cool Love because art. that's what you do in your profession when that's you're not my practicing real life your job. Yeah. <laughs> and we all have real life jobs. So we're all living our dreams and we're all living our careers. We got to have both. And we all know how important that is. So maybe you can kind of elaborate on what you do as a graphic designer and maybe how you got into it. Okay, so me getting this job, because I did a lot of construction and stuff, like hard labor most of my life. You know, I worked a couple of fast food places, a couple of, was a server for a little bit. Um, this job kind of landed in my lap. And I remember going to the interview. It was, I got up there and I said, basically, like, I like art. I'm good at drawing. Um, I'm a fast learner. And he said, well, you got two weeks. If you learn, you can stay. If you don't, you're fired. And ultimatum. I, you know, it goes back to what I said before. If I want to do something, I'll learn it really quick. And that's exactly what I did. I got on the program, learned the program, spent hours on YouTube, you know, learning different like shortcuts and stuff. And I learned. And basically what I do at this company, it's a, it's embroidery, screen printing, any kind of promo merch you can think of. We put a logo on it, you know, signs, banners, which is perfect for the scene I'm in. Because everything is about marketing and merch and advertising, and that's exactly what I do. Uh, artists need shirts for their for their logos and their uh, DJ stuff. I can do that. I can make them a logo. I can put it on a shirt. I can order a whole bunch of them, get them to them if they want. If uh, clubs want uh, banners or flyers, I can design those, get them to them. You know, and it's just like I sit there all day and just like make art for people. And sometimes they provide their own art, and my job is just to like get it ready for production you know basically right, where they want to display that logo or, right or, that, or, or that getting message. the right media so i do uh, digitizing for embroidery for hats and stuff too that's a whole other beast so i'm on a program that basically you have to know what kind of stitching needs to be where you know and it's like a whole different it's not just like painting you're using stitches using thread and you're telling the computer what to do when it, when it goes onto the machine how the machine's gonna uh, basically sew this onto this whatever polo or hat so it's it's crazy, and I learned all this quick, 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 you know, because I had to, and I love it, you know, I love art. So being able to go to work every day, I get my own office, and I get to just make art for people, and it's really rewarding, just to see. And I'll walk, I drive, you know, I drive around Fort Worth and see a bunch of stuff I've done for companies, schools. I see these logos, I see all over the place. I'm like, wow, you know, I was a part of that. And that's got to be so rewarding because, I mean, you, you work on all these different designs. You put together all these different ideas and these these samples. And then when that particular person, whether it be the individual, the owner of the company, ETC, they have this image of what they want. You put it together for them. And then now that dream is reality. Right. 
And right. that's just got to be a whole different level of excitement. It's really for cool. Anybody that wants something like that. It's really cool. I enjoy it. And then we get, being able to do logos for my friends in the music industry is super cool. You know, they, I get to see their, let's say they blow up, you know, and their, that logo that I made from is all over big main stages and stuff. You know, that would be so cool. You know, that would be incredible just because you know, I got to be a part of that. I got to be a part of that growth, you know, and it, it's just, I'm lucky. I'm lucky in that sense because I would hate to have to go to a job that, you know, I don't want to be that at. That you don't want to be day. at, that you're just Every kind of forcing day. yourself yeah. to do. It's I just almost feel like it's not life, you know? It's just like slave labor. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, that, and that's kind of where the saying goes. A lot of people, you know, they're, they're, they're going to jobs that they don't want to be at. They're wearing clothes they don't want to wear. They're trying to find this happiness. And then what the end of the day is, what, the weekend comes and you go out and you buy a fancy pair of shoes or you buy yourself a new hat and then you feel good. And then all of a sudden Monday comes real quick and then you're back to that same reality. Yes. <laughs> So I think what's what's fun about that is you're doing a you're doing something that you're passionate about, but not only that, you're also have all these additional hobbies that keep you busy and keep your mind occupied in a way that satisfies you. Right. And you've obviously self-taught yourself all of this based on what you've said. It doesn't seem like you've actually had a trainer. So you, whether it was learning from people that you've seen out there in the scene or you watched YouTube videos, you figured it out. The last part I wanted to touch on because this is the part that's so sincere and it's going to be the most fun um you're a beatboxer yep how long have you been beatboxing for probably like four years i think because i started when i was in that hiatus mode just kind of messing around it's like fucking around spitting yeah. in the mic just yep. doing you yep and I, it wasn't until i got out and just like showed people they were like holy shit this is pretty cool i had one uh person tell me i loved your singing and i was like what are you talking about singing you know, and she was talking about like Tibetan like throat singing because of the bass sound that I do. And I was like, it's just a throat bass. It's like a bass. It's like, no, but it's like it's singing. It's beautiful. And I was like, cool. Thanks. You know, just I'll, weird. It was it I'll was take that, yeah, I'll right? take it. Yeah, it was the weird, weirdest compliment I got about my, my beatboxing. But, you know, compliment nonetheless. You know, um, I I don't know. I just do it for fun. Really. It's not something like I, I didn't even think about you know, pursuing anything crazy with it until I had that thought about helping with my production. Mm -hmm. But, you know, all, like I said, all my friends just kind of always throw me out there. Go, go be bugs, go be bugs. Turn off the music. Say, hey, watch this. <laughs> we got some raw beats coming live. So what I want you to do, Peyton, if you don't mind, of course, Okay. Um, let's dedicate some time. You take as much time as you need, actually. I'm not even going to put a timer on it. And why don't you just have some fun with the mic? Show us what you got. I have I have one that I always kind of show people if I'm showcasing my beatboxing and it's uh, I call it the evolution of beatboxing, you know, because you got to think about it. It all starts with like a boots and cats, boots and cats, right? That's the the most generic beatbox there is is boots and cats and boots and cats. So, check this out. <clears throat> Here we go. Boots and cats and 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 boots and Mm -hmm. 
Fish Club. Tank Sessions. That was fucking sick. <laughs> like, I was just like vibing over here, throwing my hands up. My God. <laughs> Thank you. See, I, I, I knew it was good. I mean, hearing it in person, seeing it on the internet, and then hearing it now on the microphones with the headphones. Dude, it was like 10 times better. Thank you, bro. Like, appreciate in it. the fucking zone, vibed out. Like, damn. How often do you practice your beatboxing? Really, just whenever someone tells me they want to hear my beatboxing. So it's 100% natural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Natural. Sometimes I'm I'm just in the mood, you know, sometimes in the mood to beatbox if I'm out at parties or something. I just just feel like doing it, you know. I don't just like sit there at home or anything doing it, you know. Cuz that would probably be annoying. Oh, for sure. She, you know, my girlfriend would probably hate me. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Do you ever just like call her and like or maybe she calls you and then like you pick up the phone and you don't even say hello, you just go boots and cats and boots and cats. And I should. I should do that. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> and then record it yeah. and then post it on my wall so I could see it. Future coming. Okay. So one day. I'll we'll just see. make you a deal. And every time I do it, I'll send it to you. Perfect. All right. <laughs> I'll do something with it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Shit. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Peyton Pullen, hobbies out the yin yang. <laughs> DJ, new upcoming producer, Glover, graphic designer, badass beatboxer. Where can people find you at? So I'm on Facebook, I'm on SoundCloud, um, I have an Instagram, I have a Twitter, I don't really use those too much, but I do have them, and you can, you know, you can find me just by searching my name, any of my DJ, any of my DJ aliases, we have, you know, the pages, just search Wasubi, you know, W-A-S-U-B-I-I, and HexFX is H-E-X-A-F-E-X, and my name's Peyton Pullen, so pretty easy to find. Peyton Pullen, HexFX, Wasubi. Go check him out. See what he's all about. You might actually find something that you want to get locked into. Or maybe you won't. And at the end of the day, that's your choice. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time in the tank.